So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and it's a very special episode for us. We've got Leo and Toby here with me, and Toby, why is this a special episode? Mate, it's the big 5-0 for us. Yeah, Quite an achievement. episodes. No, we've done really well, I think. I mean, Toby, you've missed a few, so I don't know if you can celebrate being on the 50th one or not, but Leo and me, I reckon we can probably do it. Well, Arch, Arch, you're the only one thought to have missed one. Yeah, exactly. So... (laughs) Arch, well done to you, mate. <laughs> so I'm sure I probably will once you guys figure out all this recording and editing software, but it uh, doesn't look like that's no, going to happen anytime soon. No, I'm intentionally not learning that, I think. <laughs> Fine. More it's too much work. More work for me. All right, boys, before we get into it, I want to start with a little bit of a game for us. Um, I know we have a bit of an occasion coming up with the long weekend in Australia where we're all going to be back together, maybe doing some wine tasting. So I want to make a little game, make a little bet out of it. Uh, if anyone's watched such other podcasts like um, Puck Soup, the NHL podcast, you've heard of their game Schlemko. But for anyone else, it's a game of we pick a team from a certain game and you guys have to go back and forth and name that team. And I'll give you a couple of strikes each. I'll give you three strikes each. But if you, whoever names more, uh, has to buy the you other. Mean name a, you mean name a Take lineup? turns naming players. Yeah. The from full, a team. The okay. full 23. From a, from a previous. Yeah. From a previous game. That's right. Nah, from okay. a future game. Very yeah. well. Very done. <laughs> well done, Leo. All right. Well, the game that I've selected is the 2003 Rugby World Cup, Australia versus England. And I want the Australian 22, not the 23. The I got 22. this. Red herring. Okay. Perfect. So Could wait, said 23 and we go twisters. back and forth. We go back and forth. Yeah. So who would like to start off? Elton Flatley. There you go. Let us uh, jump can't... straight in. Oh, can you just pick any position? Yeah, you don't have to go through in order. Okay, well, that's, that's a lot easier. Okay, uh... I'll go Stephen Larkham. Yes, that's right. That's now named the inside centre and fly half. Oh, finally, Stephen Larkham. George Gregan. Gregan, captain and scrum half. Yes. Double points. Woo. Uh, Lottie Tikiri scored the first try, I believe, in that game. He did. And was he on the left or right wing, Toby? Uh, left wing. Ah, correct. Correct. Wendell Saylor. Yes, on the other side, Wendell Saylor, the big boy. We've got the two big leaguey wings. Now, I hope it's Sterling Mortlock at 13. It was. It was Sterling Mortlock. Yep. Famously got that intercept in the semis versus the All Blacks to give us the win. Matt Rogers. That's a good one. I, wouldn't have, I didn't think that you would get that. Yeah. Matt Rogers starting it's at the league back, back three. That's it. I should have held on to that one. That would have been my... Players awake again, this is good. (laughs) 
Well, you obviously know your backs because you've then gone through the entire back line without naming a single I can't board. thought that was the theme. I just kept going. Yeah. Uh, now it gets a bit tricky. It's like Kefu. What? Kefu. That is strike one for Toby. No, Toby oh. Kefu in the 2003 World Cup, mate. Strike one. Oh, shit. I know who Bill it is Young? instead. Can I go again? Oh, okay. No, it's Leo's going Bill Young. Yes, correct. Loose head prop. Bill Young. David Lyons. Correct. That is the number eight starting yep. David Lyons. Yep. George Smith. George Smith. Yep. He was definitely there. Ooh. David Giffen. Ooh. Correct. David Giffen was there. Number not four. The, not on the starting team, though. He was not on the starting. Bench. He okay. was on the bench, so I'll give it to you. Still count. All right. Um, Matt Cobain Another bench player Yes, correct Matt Cobain yeah. was there on the bench as well Phil War Correct um, Phil War Number six Actually number seven George Smith was number six But yeah Oh really? Yeah, we were oh, We were we back in our days Of two open sides playing Justin Harrison Yes One of the second rowers Justin Harrison Starting in there you guys are doing well. You've only, I think, got three more starters to name. And the rest ben of Darwin. Them. No, Ben Darwin. I believe went out in the first or second pool game with an injury, a neck injury. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, yeah so... he hurt his neck, didn't he? Yeah. Went down yeah. the scrum. So two strikes for Toby here. Nathan Sharp. Correct, Nathan Sharp, the others. Oh, wow. Leo is dominating you, Toby. Two strikes to nil. <laughs> Have we have we it's picked fun. hooker yet? No. No, you've got two. So there's only hooker and tight head, and the rest of the bench on, on the starting team. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brendan Cannon. Correct. Starting hooker Brendan Cannon. Now you can either go for the last starter, Leo, or you can try and just keep your luck with some of the bench players. Yeah. See, I don't think I know the tight head prop. I'm out of. I'm out of ideas for that one. Um, I was going to say, oh, was Dan Vickerman on the bench? No, but Barrel. You've already named. You've already named pretty much two locks anyway. Why would he be on there as well? So strike. Oh, I thought Cobain there. was the reserve. Oh, they. Yeah, but Toby named David Giffen as well. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yep. So Tidehead is. This is a tricky one. Because I've always remembered Bill Young and Ben Darwin as like that classic yeah. early 2000s starting props. People it's really are, tough. I think, it, I think it's more of a no name. Right um, I know one person at home that would be screaming at you. It's not Nick Styles. He's no. a loose head. He's on the bench, isn't he? That's out. Archie. Archie's out, isn't he? Right? It's Alistair That's Baxter. Three yes, Alistair oh, Baxter. Geez. Oh, your mother would be so disappointed, Toby. Alistair. All right. Yeah. And um, Jeremy Paul wasn't still around, was he? He was. He was on the bench. He was on the bench. Dan Vickerman. Yeah. I was going to say it. And then when you said Cannon was starting, I'm like, oh, maybe Jeremy Paul wasn't around. There you go. Well done, Leo. 
Well Good done, stuff. Leo. Smashing it. If, Slam, do you want to keep going, Leo? See how far you can get? Oh, if I couldn't name the starting props, I don't think I'm going to pick up the others. You've still nah, got it's only, three back. Matt well. Dunning's on the bench. Matt Dunning. Matt Dunning was on the bench. He was the Oh, I was going to see Matt Dunning, but then I thought it might be two up. Um, mm. Okay, hang on. What about in the backs? So, yeah. um, Ben Chun. Nope. No. Um, Matt Burke. No, Matt Burke was not. Is he not on the bench? Oh, no, because um, it was all these all those leaguey guys that got in. Go, who were the? Think about it logically. You obviously got a reserve. Chris Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah. Reserve halfback. Yeah. Chris Whitaker was there. And, and so there's you need an inside other... and an outside back. Uh, Jason oh, Matt Gitto. Matt Gitto was there. Was Toby, there how did person. you not get Matt Gitto? That's embarrassing. Forgot. He's your favourite person. Yeah. Um, Drew Mitchell? Yeah. No, no, not Drew too Mitchell. Early. you got to go older. Mitchell in 2005. got to go older. Uh, this is this uh, is who I thought you would guess for Joe Roth. Rogers. There you go, Joe Rogers. Uh, Joe Roth, sorry. Roth was yeah. on the bench. That's insane. That's why I thought yeah. it was amazing. Well, Matt Rogers was starting started. and Joe Roth was on the bench. No, but Joe Roth isn't. Joe Roth's a winger. He's not a fullback. Traditionally. Uh, he He's usually on that fullback in his life. Yeah, yeah, but like you used to see him on the wing for the Wallabies more often than not, and you'd have Latham or Burke at the back. So Rogers kept both of them out. I don't know if Burke was injured though. I think maybe I think he, he was, was just because... on the brink of retirement. Actually, no, I believe. I, think I they... believe we started off that World Cup with Burke playing thirteen, and Mortlock was still on the wing, and then he got uh, injured, and Mortlock moved in. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that was good. good see, game, like huh? I kind of. I had a bit of a handicap because it was my first or second night of schoolies. And I was just out of my mind drinking beers all day. So, you know, I was watching that game. It was one of the most disappointing games I've ever watched. So I probably tried to get rid of that out of my memory. Ex- extra I think we points, did pretty well. Well done there. Extra points if you can tell me the final score. Uh, 20 to 17. Any changes on that, Leo? No, I feel like that's wrong. There were more penalty kicks, I thought. Maybe um, well, 21-24. No, Toby got on the second one, 23-20. Yeah, it was definitely 20-17 to 17 at <laughs> one point, but um, yeah. both both kickers kicking a penalty in extra time and then Wilkinson obviously hitting that drop goal. <sighs> oh, mate. And now I'm sad. <laughs> I was going to see, see how good people were at the English team, but I think we'll leave it for the moment there. But there you go, first episode of Name That Team. But good work, guys. Toby, you owe Leo a bottle of wine when you get back here. Woo! <laughs> he deserves it. He did well. He surprised me. He must have been paying attention back then. Obviously was. More than you. More than you. So let's get into this last week, and we'll start off with a bit of news and... Well, we've just seen a bit more announcements about these players leaving from Australia, leaving from New Zealand, leaving from South Africa. But we've also seen even more about these sort of partnerships between teams and going overseas. So maybe they're trying to foster a bit more of a relationship with people leaving and coming back. But it seems like the London Irish and Australia are taking away a bunch of us. Whether they're or not, they're going to announce a Karevi signing in the near future. Um, Sale Sharks look like they're poaching in uh, South Africa pretty heavily. 
What do you guys think about this? I think it was it was always going to happen with the amount of money flowing through in England now. Even it's getting up towards what you know French levels a little bit, and players are just looking for that kind of I guess another experience in the northern hemisphere, looking for the travel aspects, a um, bit of a lifestyle change, and you know they can afford to do that for a couple of years and come back. And I think now the the world's become a lot smaller. Information travels quickly, and these guys are getting snapped up. They're a lot more. I guess, you know, the Northern Hemisphere teams are a lot more aware of the talent down here. And so they're getting these guys early on. So, I mean, I don't know. It's um, it's tough because we have to actually implement certain strategies to keep some of these guys. Um, but at the moment, I think we're lacking a little bit in that area. New Zealand's maybe ahead of us. Yeah, we, we talked about, I think it's the Hurricanes have a partnership with a, is it a top 14 Oh, no, it's the English... Harlequins. Harlequins, that's right. Um, so they've got the Harlequins partnership and a partnership with a Japanese team as well. And to me, that seems uh, prudent to establish those relationships pretty pretty soon if you haven't already uh, got them for your, for your Super Rugby team because if you have a, uh, a say in how long some of your players go overseas for because you're... You can't. It's kind of like putting them on exchange with other clubs. Uh, you can you can have your World Cup year where you've got everyone and every, anyone you need, and then the following year or two, there's there's time for those guys who've been around the traps, been through Super Rugby for four or five years, want to go overseas for the experience, for their for their development, to experience new styles of play, to work with some different coaches. You can create this exchange type relationship where maybe some guys go to a Japanese or a, or an English club side and they give some to you and you just naturally kind of move these guys around, give them a bit of experience in different competitions, but you've probably got a bit of a tie to them because you've got like an overarching agreement between the clubs. So these guys come back to you with at least two, two years to the World Cup. And in the meantime, you get to bring in, you know, a diverse group of talent from other places, integrate some you know, improvements to your own game and also some of the young guns get to rise up and maybe establish themselves before your established guys come back and then you've got really good depth and competition in sort of two to three years from a World Cup. Like, I, I think they should be leaning into it more than trying to work hard to trap these guys because I don't think they're going to succeed. And then I think the difference is now that the players are doing it much earlier in their careers whereas before they might play 10, 15 years in Australia as long as they can and then take the money at the end of their careers and retire well on that. Whereas now players are looking at, you know, moving across when they're 22, 23 years old, going to the peak of their careers. I mean, you've seen Sean McMahon do that, really turn his back on Australian rugby and take the money in Japan. I think that's a trend that we want to avoid um, because the the landscape's changed and and we need to change with it. Yeah, and I think by having those partnerships, at least you you can reduce the impact or reduce the number of guys that just outright leave because you can you can create an environment where they can go on their exchange they can develop with different teams different coaches they get the cash injection from those other clubs you know what do australian clubs or even super rugby clubs have to offer we've got a high level uh quality competition uh some would argue it's the best competition i I don't know if it has been in recent years but 
certainly it's up there. And and some Northern Hemisphere players would probably like to have that experience, you know, corresponding come down south and and experience our competition. So you share that around, and then obviously the carrot for the native players is well, we want you to come back and represent our national side. And you've just got to you've got to facilitate that because these guys are going to look for opportunities to make money and develop and go on a bit of adventure. And I don't think you can imprison them. And and I think if you went down that road of trying to restrict movement, you'd get more guys that just abandon the entire system, like Sean McMahon. Yeah, I much prefer the word exchange than like player exodus. So I think yeah, if we can work out more of an exchange system, that's that's the right way to go. Otherwise, in news, there's probably been a lot going on up in the Northern Hemisphere. Those competitions wrapping up pretty soon, Toby. Yeah, we just had the so the European Champion or the Rugby Championship here, um, Champions Cup. Saracens defeat Leinster in that one, twenty to ten. That was so a that was a big upset, win for it? Saracens. Um, I think Saracens were mild favourites. Okay. I think, but it was very close, and I. You know, both these teams had a lot of stars there. I mean, if you look at Saracens, particularly from an Australian perspective, you had Will Skelton starting in the second row. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, guys that actually represent England in that team. you got Farrell, you got Vunapola, you got Itoje, um, Jamie George, you know, Sean Maitland from Scotland, Liam Williams from Wales. So they've got a star-studded team. Leinster, you know, obviously probably half the Irish team's in there. Mm. And you've got Scott Fardy as well. So... You know, a real clash of the Titans in this one. I think it was the same matchup last year, and Leinster got over the top of Saracen, so they were able to flip the script this year. Um, but yeah, it was a big win for for Saracens, and they're really continuing their success. I think across you know most of the competitions up here. Um, so you got Premiership rugby as well in terms of the English competition. So they're in the last round, um, and the top four go through on that one, and then you got the Pro 14. There's semi-finals this weekend, so you got Glasgow Warriors taking on Ulster, mm. and then you got Leinster taking on Munster. So another big game for Leinster, um, classic rivalry there. I think we've kind of pinned ourselves to to Munster, um, so I think they're slight underdogs in this one, but it'll be a huge game for them after failing in the semi-finals of the Champions Cup. Um, so definitely one to watch there. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds like a lot of stuff going on in club sport down there. But let's get into Super Rugby, and we had round 13 on the weekend, and we'll jump straight into it. And bit of movement on the table here, a lot of movement actually, but we'll start on Friday night and the Rebels hosting the Reds. The Rebels, in the end, didn't look too troubled, but uh, Reds were really hanging in there. Uh, and But they took away the win, 30 points to 24. Rebels take this. Yeah, it was closely fought, uh, not not too uneven. Uh, I'd tipped the Rebels in this one by seven, and I was definitely uh, nervous about my margin a few different times. So um, standout players, Hale Petty definitely looked really solid there at the back, back to his uh, consistent ways. Uh, Hodge, I thought, was also pretty good, uh, much much better suited at 13 than 12. Uh, and then from the Reds, uh, even though he came off the bench, Isaac Lucas uh, made a pretty good impact. He's come back from the under-20s and, and continues to play well. Hegarty. Hegarty was just solid at, at, at 10, um, still doing a good job kind of leading those Reds around and, and keeping things fairly steady. Uh, it, it was a good match. It was a good all-around match. There, there, was a few, there was a few penalties. It wasn't too high, but it was, it was generally 
pretty enjoyable and it, and it just shows how close the Australian conference is. Yeah, the Reds kept this one. They they were pretty close in this one and they, you know, I think that yellow card to Higginbotham actually turned the match a little bit in the Rebels' favour. Mm. Um, I didn't expect the Rebels probably to be as challenged as they were by the Reds, but we can see by, you know, recent results with the Reds, they've come a long way from the start of the season and they're really starting to play well as a team. They're cutting a lot of the errors out of the game and, you know, some some of the younger guys like Isaac, Lucas, you know, some real attacking flair there. I think they're losing him again to the under-20s, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, across the park, they're doing quite well as a team and you got Tupo, Taniella coming into some good form. So it's going to be a big challenge ahead for the Waratahs, I think. The Reds are, are much improved. I quite liked seeing Billy Meeks back at 12 too. He, he didn't have a massive impact in this game. He was a bit quieter than we've, we've seen him in... in previous weeks where the Rebels have been really dominant, but it just looked like a much better combination there um, between between Will, Genia, uh, Quade Cooper and, and Bill Meeks. It was much more fluid than the previous week where they stuck Hodge in there. Yeah. yeah you'd have to say that Bill Meeks, when he plays well, the Rebels win and they win well. I think when he goes missing, like he's a big part of that back line. Um, we obviously see Hodge now at 13 because Tom English is out. So, you know, that's it's tough. If you lose form in that back line, you could be displaced pretty easily. Now Tamua's come into the Rebels, so that could easily play a part in selections going forward if Meeks doesn't play well. So, you know, there's a lot of competition in that Rebels back line. It probably bodes well, but we've had the, seen them have another little blip um, compared to the start of their run this season. So I'm hoping they can pick things up again and, and really start to fire towards the finals. Yeah, well, the big sort of worry in this was uh, Quade Cooper went down with a concussion early in the second half, had to go off. He has been cleared. He has been named to start this week, but it did result in, as Toby mentioned, Tomoa coming back down from the Northern Hemisphere early. Uh, so he's there to help fill in. But he's actually not eligible to play finals football for the Rebels. So he can play in these next yeah. couple of rounds, but you don't really want to integrate him too much into your system, do you? I didn't realize they had eligibility. Like, so he's got to yeah. play a minimum number of games, does he? Yeah, I think so. That's oh, right. okay, that's good. That's that's like local sporting competitions around here. You can't just bring guys in at the last minute to top your team up. But it's never considered that that was part the, of a thing. I don't like about it is that he's been signed with the Rebels for the whole season. So mm. it's not like they've just signed him. He's come back and and he's going to play straight away, and then he could play finals. Like, he's been on the roster the whole season. They've been paying him. You know, it's like a guy, what if you come in late to a team in the season because of injuries? Does that mean suddenly you can't play finals because you haven't been selected early on in the season? I don't know. Usually, usually if it is a genuine injury, you can um, sort of apply to have the number of games missed due to injury. Well, again, local sporting competition, um, coat sort of, competition rules that's quite often you can you can say oh basically medical medical reasons for not playing but but certainly like if you're available um and you're not representing at a higher level using that team or that club as a feeder to the higher level then if you're just not playing then yeah you you can't claim those games that were missed even though you were i wonder i wonder if there's slightly different rules say rob leota for example if he's only played three games leading into the finals Mm. he's not going to be 
stopped from playing finals, I'd imagine. It must be a different set of rules when you've come back from another club. There must be something else at play here because I can't imagine. Otherwise, teams would have guys filling in late in the season and then, oh, sorry, you can't play next week because you've only played three or four games. So It's probably, anyway, if they've been playing in a reserve grade, if they haven't been picked up and played yeah. on the starters or the bench, there will be a feeder club. And as long as they're playing for feeder clubs, then they're Possibly, considered yeah. a, a lower yeah. grade and you can pull as many guys up from lower grades to fill because the assumption is they're not as good as the guys that you wanted there originally. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Sansart do it on a case-by-case basis, depending on the eligibility. So if you can show that you've been forced to make this due to injuries or um, it's been like late call oh, okay. and things like that, you'll get um, granted exception to the rule. But just the fact that he's been playing overseas and now come back, probably and probably not prepared to let him do yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, you don't want guys either being signed mid-season or doing a similar thing on a year-to-year basis because it's not a good look for Super Rugby. Yeah, very true. That's the Rebels will have a tough game this weekend versus the Bulls coming on their overseas tour, uh, whereas the Reds get to host the Waratahs coming back to town. So two tough games for both those teams coming forward. The next game we can probably look at, and it's the Waratahs' second game on tour. And... Uh, facing the Lions up in Joburg, and it was a really tight one, straight back and forth, at least for the first half an hour, uh, try for try. But eventually, the Lions just got that extra penalty that just put them over the top, even though they missed a conversion. So they won this one 29 to 28. Yeah, no, I think this had, you know, Egon Seconds did play a part in this result. You know, he was clearing guys out at the ruck. He at one stage cleared Hooper out yeah. of the Lions' ruck. You know, he he got he got in the way of guys like Ned Hannigan, and he just made some really questionable calls. There was that one mall that just collapsed, and then he called it as a ruck. Um, yeah. So he's had a a pretty bad run in terms of performances at at um, Ellis Park. I think he's got a penalty total for the home team being the Lions. So they've been awarded, I think, thirty penalties or something like that, or thirty three penalties, and the away team three over across two games there. Yep. So you might see him disappear for a, a few weeks after this because he's just not up to standard, I would say. Um, but despite that, I, look, the wallet, the Waratahs, they did look pretty good at times. I agree with that. But I just think they're a little bit, you know, their forwards are a little bit lacking in terms of punching through the line, getting that real ascendancy. I do think they still struggle in that, that area. And the backs are are firing a bit better now, and they're kind of making up for that a little bit with how good they've been. But I still think unless they get guys like Dempsey and and um, Jed back on the park, some real ball carriers, I can't see them, you know, turning their season around. And in a similar vein, their, their scrums struggled uh, late in the match, and, and that's where, you know, they really needed to hold it together to, to get those points they needed for the win. Uh, and there was a couple of couple of things that are getting a bit repetitive for the Waratahs and it's it's quite frustrating to see a professional team with all the resources you could imagine uh, at their disposal still either not picking up on team like opposition tactics that they're using week to week and then when they use them against the Waratahs they've got no counter to it. Um, a lot of the South African teams seem to be very focused on stripping the ball from a from an upright player. So rather than letting it get to a ruck where um, maybe the the momentum of the attacking team kind of uh, 
lets the referee just give them free free reign at the ruck. The South African teams are all seem to be ch- you know trying to steal the ball from players in the tackle, mm. and for like late late in the game again, Bill um, Curtly Bill runs up and he's obviously trying to fight for advantage line and and he, he's just got a, he's got I think it was either Quagga Smith or Malcolm Marks or someone came up and just just clean ripped the ball out and. It wasn't the first time in the match that that had happened. This is the second half. It's after half time, for no one to have made a point about it and said this is one of the things they're trying to do. If you feel them just attacking the ball rather than trying to tackle you, you need to either go to ground or, you know, put more effort into uh, keeping the ball secure. Um, things like that. And then the Waratahs lineouts when they throw to the front, they are getting targeted for those long passes from Phipps. They yeah, get ripped Malcolm off. Malcolm Marks intercept again. Malcolm Marks. Okay. And he did the exact same thing on the line-out preceding the one where he got the intercept. The ball went to the front. He was loitering as the halfback. He drifted toward the back. When he saw the ball go to the front, he just sprinted from behind the line, and he almost got the intercept then. And literally, two minutes later, they have another line-out on the other side of the field, and he did the exact same thing, and that time he ripped off the intercept. And again, how, how are teams not preparing better for this Knowing that he's going to do that, you just, you've got to change what you're doing. It's, it's madness to keep going and, and repeating risky moves like that. And expect different results, yeah. Yeah, I, look, it's it's a really good effort, I think, by the Waratahs in that they spent two weeks at altitude. I think they improved over those two weeks. I think they look a lot better than when they left Australia. Whether they can you know, continue playing that way, knowing that perhaps the final's out of their reach... Well, maybe the pressure comes off and they just play a bit more freely. I'm not sure how, which way it'll go. But, you know, if they don't beat the Reds this weekend, if they have one or two more losses, really, they're, they're completely out of it, um, given the way the conference is set at the moment. Um, and that's disappointing for a, a bunch of guys that are Wallaby superstars. I, I just think they've been pretty subpar across this season. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna really be tough for them to come back and have any hope of finals contention. Not so much for these next boys and the Brumbies on the Sunday afternoon hosting the Sunwolves. And look, they got called out last week by a couple of um, ex Wallabies and things for saying they were playing a bit of a boring game. Well, they put on their running shoes and scored a couple of long range tries in this one. I think their first two tries were from about both about eighty meters out. But 33 points, nil. They take a bonus point and move to top of the Australian Conference, um, clear of the Rebels. And again, um, a match where the Sunwolves actually had a lot of possession and territory, um, were playing their brand of game, lots of offloads, making breaks. Uh, but the Brumbies were just better in defence. They, they kept them out and kept them to nil, obviously. So um, uh, Brumbies just playing so well at home at the moment. The, the average points they're putting on at home is... I think it's north of 30 points, I think, at the moment. Certainly, it was before the weekend, and if they've scored 33, it stayed there. So, um, yeah, not not too many faults in the Brumbies game. Uh, guys like Simone coming back in and, and setting up that Henry Spate try early on with a pretty deft little pass, uh, looking like it's going out the back to Lelefano and, and just dropping it to Henry Spate to cruise through. Um, yeah, it's starting to gel, and they're making a run at the table. Yeah, I think TK had an amazing game. He's been in good form this year across the season. Henry Spate, really good finishing. And Tom Banks as well. I think that that combination is working really well oh. for the Brumbies. And, you know, 
Yeah, Tom I think yeah, it's, they've got so much potency. Tom Banks is kicking for touch. He was just putting it like five meters out on every penalty kick that they got inside the Sunwolves half. And even though the Sunwolves mm. defended them all, like the Brumbies more better than I think anyone else has managed to do, um, they still managed to sort of recycle the ball at least most of the times and start moving it out and go to their sort of second option and things. And yeah, it was really good to see. They just seem really decisive in knowing, you know, at, at one point during the game, you know, are we going to keep it in tight? Are we going to keep it in the forwards and just maul it, go for the corners, maul it in for a try? Are we going to play a bit more expansive? I think in previous years, they've kept it tight a lot. They've, you know, been kind of one-dimensional in that. And then they went towards just a more free-flowing game and not keeping it tight enough. So they've fluctuated between the two. And now I think they've found a pretty happy balance there. And you can see the players are confident, you know, they're positive. They're just supporting each other so well. And this is without Pocock and McCaffrey in the forward pack. Um, you see Darcy Swain stepping up in the second row. I like There's Darcy just a Swain. lot of young guys stepping up. Jerome Brown. Um, just, just yeah, then when the bench comes on, they don't let the side down either. So, you know, as a unit, I've been really impressed. I think Dan McKell has done a really good job this year with with some of the challenges he's had in terms of injuries and um, you know, if you look at their run home arch, I think they've got the bye next week, right? And then they've got yep. Brunt, they've got the Bulls at home, so that I think is a winnable game. They've got the Sunwolves away, yep. another good game for them. Then they face the Waratahs, who could possibly be out of finals contention at that stage, and that's up in Western Sydney. And we then they finish off. Yeah, exactly. We'll be there. Um, and then they finish off at home against the Reds. So that'll be a tough game, but. I think they could win their last four games um, and finish atop the conference and maybe even, you know, do some damage in the finals. So they're hitting their straps at the right time, the Brumbies, and I think if they welcome back McCaffrey and Pocock in the next few weeks, you never know what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, 100%. They are looking like the form team at the moment, and yeah, with that run home, you'd argue that they're probably going to tip the Rebels in the end of this. Let's jump through some of the other games and... Uh, we'll go starting on Friday night, the first game of the round, and the Blues were hosting the Hurricanes. Uh, this one was close early, only 14-12 at half time, but Hurricanes got a couple of extra tries in the second half and end up winning this one 22-12. Yeah, Canes looked just a cut above the Blues here. That's four losses in a row for the Blues, and you know, contrast to that, Hurricanes five wins in a row now, looking very dangerous. They can seem like they can rest guys. You know, bring them in and out of the lineup. It doesn't disrupt things too much. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just not too impressed with the Blues the way they're playing at the moment, and they they really seem to be a bit quiet compared to what they were doing a few weeks ago. Yeah, it looks like they've lost a little bit of intent. Their defense has still been up there, been good. I think still limiting a Hurricanes team as potent as that to 22 points only is a reasonable effort. But yeah, you need to be able to score 20 points yourself. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the Canes are so potent. You can't give them anything. Like you say, the Blues did okay defensively. But I think now that they're bottom of the, the table in the conference, they might be lacking a little bit of motivation as well after a pretty hot start to the season. They only actually lost two games at home so far this season, first round to the Crusaders, and then they've been on that home streak, and now they've lost to the, to the Hurricanes. So at home, they're still, they're still playing pretty well. And it's only the top top teams that are that are overtaking them. But like like we know, the it's the it's the road wins that really 
make the big difference and, and add up. And, and that's what they're lacking this season is a couple of decent road wins. And they've had some close finishes, but just haven't managed to pull it off. Yeah, unfortunate. Uh, next game and the Crusaders on their South African tour and went over and see the Bulls. And we said last week that last time the Crusaders were over there, they put 60 points on the Bulls. Well, they didn't quite do that this week, but it still ended up a bit of a romp. Crusaders winning this one 45-13. to 13. Yeah, Richie Moanga, individual brilliance for the first couple of tries in this one, and then Seve Reese followed up with a with a hat trick. Um, the Crusaders are just amazing. They always always have guys in their line, always ready and waiting, just continuous flowing phases. Um, even on the counter attack, they just get set so quickly, and mm. and no no team seems to be able to stay with them when they're when they're in that um, in that uh, got that forward momentum going. They're just absolutely dominant and. Same as usual, Crusaders, top of the tree. And this is a penalty count of 12 conceded to the Crusaders, so they to four to the Bulls. So Bulls were getting, you know, more penalties. They had a bit more possession, um, but they could only run for about half the amount of metres that the, the Crusaders could. At, from my perspective at the moment, the Crusaders look unbeatable. I know that last week they, they drew with the Sharks, but... I think that was a little blip and probably woke them up. Um, I can't see them, you know, I see them kind of cruising through and, and probably taking the title again for a third time in a row. One thing I would note about the Bulls too, like I think they do themselves a disservice. I think they're they're a better team than this scoreline reflects. Um, but like early in the game, they've conceded a try. They get a penalty, they kick a penalty goal. They concede another try. Their next opportunity, 35 out, more or less center of the field they go for another penalty goal and they get it so they're they're back to 14-6 but again they're not going to accumulate enough points just kicking penalties they need to be a bit more aggressive and and put the ball in the corner and and drive over the line or you know probably not going to have a scrum from that particular position but I think I think they're doing themselves a disservice just just continuously handing the ball to Pollard to to knock between the posts because you just can't you just can't accumulate enough points against a team like the Crusaders doing that. Yeah, that's the tactic that we saw that that was probably going to be a problem for them. Uh, the more they sort of leaned towards that. Um, but on the other hand, you have Crusaders. Severis gets the hat trick. Musta second on the Super Rugby try scoring ladder, just behind Falau Fainga. But they've done a bit more digging into Severis, and he's he says he's willing to give up. Uh, playing for Fiji if he gets a shot at the All Blacks. So we may see him in the All Blacks national squad uh, sooner rather than later. What's What's crazy for me with him, he's come out of out of the blue a little bit. I know the Chiefs passed on him because of some of the off-field stuff. But the guy's, I think he's only five foot nine. He's not a tall guy. And yet yeah. he took a leaping catch in this one and scored a try that way as well. So... He's got the pace. He's got the the fast feet. He defends pretty hard as well. Reminds me a little bit of a Corabidi, probably with a little bit more pace, and it, you know, he's able to evade tacklers a bit bit more than just crashing into them. But yeah, he's got a lot of talent there, and it's just amazing that guys come out of nowhere. The Crusaders, it's like Tamani Vale, guys leave, and then someone just steps up in their place. You know, within a season or so. Um, you could Good definitely systems. see him getting picked in the, the All Blacks squad. Whether he gets a start or not, who knows, maybe he gets one of the lesser nations. But, you know, as we know, once you play one game for, for that country, you're locked in and he's got to be mindful of that. And 
I think Naira Voro is kind of going through a, bit, a few pains at the moment, knowing that he doesn't have an Australian contract and he's locked to the Wallabies. He can't play for Fiji at this year's World Cup. Um, so he's actually trying to negotiate something where he could play for Fiji. I don't think it's going to happen, of course. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough decision where these guys come over to New Zealand or Australia and then, you know, they have those offerings and financial benefits of playing for, say, the Wallabies or the All Blacks. But you've got to look at it, I guess, from a long-term perspective as well with the amount of competition there. Mm, 100%. And you mentioned people like Naya Vora regretting it. Then you had people in the past as a Crusaders like Nandolo that opted to play for Fiji rather than uh, try and go into that all-black system and continues to mm. represent Fiji and Captain Fiji. Yeah. We'll keep moving on. And we got the Highlanders versus the Haguaros back home at Forsyth Bar. And the Highlanders, well, they took this one. It was very close. Everyone was expecting them to win it. But the Haguaros, even after that big travel came out really strong and really uh, took it to them. Even a few uh, maybe dicey penalties towards the end there from Ben O'Keefe, and I think Kubeli was pretty upset um, after the game and uh, thought that they might have been a bit hard done by, but they just lost to the Highlanders 32-27. So the Aaron Smith-Joshuane combo is developing really well, I think. Like, the Highlanders are, you know, a year past Liam Sopoanga, and I think Joshua is, I think he's the guy for them now. Like, I just think they're playing so well together. Like, obviously, a lot of that's Aaron Smith, I'm sure, you know, mentoring him and, and working with him. But, again, another team with a system that's producing uh, these these great players, you know, out of seemingly out of nowhere. But they're obviously coming through, uh, coming through a system and... and being made ready for these opportunities and, and when they get them, they, they're taking them. And so the, the Highlanders don't look too far off the pace even without Ben Smith. Whereas the the Haguar is discipline, again, an issue and uh, they still look really dangerous especially around the flanks. They've got heaps of pace and, and int- you know, intricate counters but um, just, you know, letting letting themselves down, giving away penalties and, and giving opportunities to the Highlanders is too much to bear. Yeah, and I think the Haguaros still look a decent side. It's just when they play away, they're just not quite as good as they are at home. And those those things really count over in New Zealand. Um, Highlanders, you know, they're, they're probably not the team they quite were before, but at the same time, they do have those star players there. They can cut you apart still. Um, uh, Frizzell's coming back in this, this coming week. So... Certain guys coming back, I think they miss Ben Smith a lot, but you know they do have some of those more, I guess, B-grade guys that people wouldn't know as much. They still do the job. They still play well, um, and so they can still get forwards. good wins at home. Particularly yeah, forwards, they're, they're, like they're toilers. They're real guys. toilers. Yeah, yeah. They stand and they up play as a well unit. as a unit. Yeah, exactly right. Haguares, I still think if they make the final series, I think they're a threat particularly if they can finish a little bit higher in the conference. Yeah. It's going to be a tough run home for them because they've still got a few games on tour. Um, but they do have the talent there. They've got some really physical, athletic guys in the forwards that can – they've got all the skills. They seem to be able to cut teams apart when they're really focused and um, locked in. But they can go missing. And Arch, I, I don't really understand why Miotti's been benched for the last two weeks. Can you explain that to me? Because he was playing so well before. Yeah, I'm not 
100% sure, really, because I understood this first game, it seemed like they were resting a few of their key players. They were starting uh, Creevy off the bench, Matera off the bench, um, Orlando, their normal captain, off the bench, and Miotti was on the bench. And I was like, okay, they're resting some players after that long sort of uh, trip. But this week, he's continued to sit on the bench, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, Diaz Bonilla played reasonably well on the weekend, but they just seem to have a much better sort of outlook when they've got Domingo and Miotti on it. So whether Mm. they've sort of resigned themselves to the fact that, look, they're playing the Hurricanes in Wellington this week, so maybe then they're thinking that, all right, we're going to keep this guy fresh and hopefully for their final two games of the tour, when they are in um, Australia, they're hoping to take uh, those two in big wins. Yeah, I wonder whether he's... Is he under 20s? Maybe he's got to go play in... In that competition or something, I'm not sure. No, he's not. He's not that he's, young. He's a couple. No, he's, he's 22. Yeah, he's 22. Yeah. He's he's past okay. that, but he's just been. Uh, reasonably yeah, strange. Because he he had such a good start. He was kicking well. He looked so confident. They were winning, and then they made that change. But maybe, like you say, they're trying to give other guys in the squad a bit of experience where there's games that maybe they perceive that they're not going to win. Yeah. Um, which is a. A strange way of approaching it, but we've seen other teams do that as well. So, uh, yeah, Jaguares, plenty of talent there. They've just got to bring it together. I think they're improving, um, but, yeah, it's it's really tough when they're not playing at home. They're a different team. I still, from, I still, mine. Love, I still love watching them play. I love watching the Jaguares yeah. play. Always entertaining. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep going, and then we had the Chiefs versus the Sharks, and two teams that drew last week going up against each other, and the Chiefs did what the Crusaders couldn't, taking this one 29-23. The Sharks get their first loss on tour. And the Sharks weren't too bad. I think they're definitely better with Bosch at 10. Um, he's just looked really steady. Um, he's getting a lot of ball and he's distributing it all over the back line. Robert Dupree, is, I don't I don't think Rob Dupree was, was doing enough um, getting the ball out and about, probably taking the ball forward himself a bit too much. So, yeah, Sharks, Sharks still... Um, battling along, not a win here, but the the Chiefs quite strong. I still think also Alan Marlow, bit suspect under the high ball. Uh, that's definitely something that teams are targeting with this mm. Chiefs. Uh, the the team that they're they're putting the bomb up, making sure that uh, the fullback's coming forward to take it, and he's he's been very inconsistent. So bit of a weak point there. But when they're rolling the ball through the forwards. Uh, and Marty McKenzie's getting a, a bit more space to to work. Uh, I think they're they're looking still pretty good, even as this injury ravaged team. And and Luke Jacobson, my player of the week last week, stands up again. Not just a one hit wonder. <laughs> yeah, Marty McKenzie looks like he's sort of really playing better than he ever has in his he's in career best form. I feel like at the moment, I don't know whether he's just taken that injury to his brother a bit hard, and he's just found an extra gear and really stepped up but he's really creating a lot of space and him in conjunction with Anton Leonard Brown who's also just playing amazingly well at the moment and they they keep the Chiefs going on the front foot and they um, keep giving this team chances and keeps giving this team wins. It's a shame Marty McKenzie's place kicking was so poor in this game. He missed a few um, kicks that you'd expect him to get and they could have had a, a bigger score run up against the Sharks that Against better teams, they're going to need those points. Yeah, for me, I think there's a lot of inexperience in those those backs, particularly. 
But guys like Weber, McKenzie, and Leonard Brown really keep it together for them. And their forwards just don't stop. They play hard. Tyler Ardron seems to be playing a different position each week. He just moves around. Jacobson's the same, very flexible. They can bring a whole bunch of different back rowers in at any time. And these injuries haven't been kind to the Chiefs for the last couple of years. So they've done well to adjust again. Um, and I think there is a real feeling in that group that they could make the playoffs and they could do some damage in this competition still. I don't quite see it. I think they're going to fall just short. But, you know, there is that belief within the playing group. Um, and the Sharks, look, I've been impressed with them. I thought they were really physical here again. You know, these big ball carriers they have in the forwards are, are really dominant. Um, they didn't quite, you know, execute in their, the opposing 22. So they left quite a few points out there. Yeah. Um, but as you say, Leo, I think Kerwin Bosch is leading them around well. He's got, you know, he can do everything, that kid. And he was waiting for his opportunity there at 10. He's got it now and he's thriving there. So I think these forwards is... It's really setting the platform well in the forwards, and I think they do have the pack to do that, and they have a lot of depth. Their bench as well is is really is uh, got a lot of talent there on the bench. So um, I can see them still doing some things in the Salavering Conference once they get home. Yeah, well, that, that's right. They get to head home uh, this week and have a bye before they have to play again. But you're right, just a few handling errors after, look, I think there were four times they were in the Chiefs 22 after 10 phases and dropped the ball, so... Definitely a few points left out there, as you said, Toby. Um, That's all the games from round 13. Before we jump into round 14, we can wrap up the Rapid Rugby Asian Showcase. We had the final game on the weekend, which was the South China Tigers hosting the Western Force. And this was a bit of a blowout for the Force. I thought the South China Tigers might be able to put up a bit more of a fight at home. But 40-16, to and the Western Force running five tries to one, including a power try, and that well and truly solidifies them at the top of the Asian Showcase ladder, but 22 um, points versus the other two teams that finish on six. But from the Asian Showcase to the Pacific Showcase, we get to move on now, and this weekend we've got the uh, Samoa and Fijian teams starting off their sort of show, and that should be a bit more competition, I think, for the Western Force in this one. They're starting off in Fiji with two games, so uh, Fiji versus Samoa this weekend. Yeah, I think the Fijian team might do some damage, Arch. I think if they can build off that NRC win that they had, hopefully there's some some players there that are kind of crossing over into the rapid rugby setup. Um, but you're right, hopefully it'll be a pretty expansive game and some big hits as well, maybe. Presumably the Fijians have played a lot of rugby together recently between NRC and, and now this global rapid rugby leading into the World Cup. That's probably quite handy too do, do they draw many out of the northern hemisphere competitions a few, yeah a few of their too, biggest actually. names will be up there but i think they'll still have a fair few of their squad um playing here i reckon and i definitely think it builds a lot more so this is a team that yeah normally does reasonably well in world cups but is always coming together at the last minute yeah i think you're right a lot more time together before the world cup can only help them and they're in our pool aren't they yeah, first game. Ah. Up in Sapporo. Trap game. So we we better be on our game. Yeah, exactly. That's a big game. I mean, in some previous years, you know, we'd we'd take you know, we'd be taking it very seriously, but we think, okay, we've got this one. But Fiji definitely have the talent to upset us and you've seen in the sevens if they can play like that, you know, they've got all the skills, they can tear us apart at a moment's notice. So the Wallabies better be ready for that one, I'd say. All right, are you ready to get into round 14 of Super Rugby? 
I have to do a shout out to both you boys. You both tipped uh, 100% correct on the weekend. Uh, so you. grand slam points for you both. Um, I had my worst tipping round of the weekend, so I've got a lot of a lot of room to wake up to make up because I've finally fallen out of first place in our league. Oh god, that's right, mate. I'm coming it's for you. Me, though. Someone else is up there, but Lee, I think top the whole week. Yeah, he got the margins better than me. I was I was tipping big margins for some reason. I was thinking most of them by ten points, and I was just yeah. A lot a lot of these games were quite close. Yeah. All right, let's get into round 14 and starting on Friday evening, the Hurricanes hosting the Hagiwara, as we mentioned this before. Yeah, going to be an entertaining, I think, free-flowing game, this one. Uh, Hurricanes are resting Bowden Barrett, from what I can see. James Marshall slotting in there at number 10. I think that probably will shave a few points off this one for the Hurricanes, but I'm still going to take them by at least 10 points. Yeah, I'm the same, though. The, the Hagiwara's team does look very strong. Uh, back to pretty much their strongest lineup. Aside from, as you said, you think Miotti uh, belongs in that starting lineup. Most of the other guys there, are, I would say, are their starting side. So um, definitely going to be close. I uh, think the Hurricanes, uh, yeah, not sure on the margin. Probably, probably a bit tighter than Toby. Yeah, well, the Hurricanes are definitely favourites, firm favourites, with the Hagiwaras slotting in at $4.20 for this one. So, yeah, I'll stay with you boys as well and stick with the Hurricanes. But, yeah, as I said, I believe in this Hagiwaras team. I think they can really put it to the Hurricanes and put some pressure on them. Uh, next game, Friday night, and the Rebels still at home in Amy Park, which is good for them, um, and hosting this Bulls team that are uh, travelling from South Africa after that heavy defeat from the Crusaders. I, I don't think the Bulls uh, traveling will be able to beat the Rebels, particularly with their full strength side. I'm just having a look at the team list now. It's it's nice to be able to have the team list for this uh, for when we're tipping. Um, depth on the bench for the for the Rebels a bit light in the forwards, um, but they've still got Ruru Magne and now Matt Tamua uh, in support there. So plenty of plenty of points in that back line as long as the forwards can hold their own. I thought the Bulls were a bit patchy, particularly one-on-one uh, in tackles were, were poor last week. So, uh, look, I, I'm definitely taking the Rebels in this one. I, I expect them to win and and probably hold a, a, a comfortable seven-point lead through most of the game, particularly if the Bulls are just going to kick penalties. I'm a little concerned about the Rebels forward pack, as you say, Leo, just because, look, they're starting Ross Haylett-Petty in the second row without Adam Coleman. Luke Jones isn't there. Izzy Nisarani isn't there. They've got Rob Leota at number eight and Richard Hartwick at seven. They might struggle a little bit against this big um, Bulls pack. So I think there's going to be a reason, a much closer one than you might think. I think I'll still take the Rebels, but only by a couple of points, I'd say. Yeah, I think this will be a really close one. I... Like I said before, I think the Rebels still aren't at their best. The Reds did test them. It's always hard for a travelling team to come in, particularly all the way from Pretoria to Melbourne. But, yeah, I'm concerned about this forward pack too. There is a bit of size there, but these combinations are a little bit untested. Guys like Hardwick have been in and out of the team. Leota's really young and experienced. Haylett Petty, we prefer him probably at six. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The, the back line looks so good that... I think I'm still going to go with the Rebels. Like you, Archie, I think it's going to be quite close. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an upset in this one, though. Um, the Bulls are a good enough team to kind of 
if they're playing well and their forwards get some ascendancy, they still have some talent in their back line too. So I think it's going to be really close, but I'll take the Rebels. Let's move on and on to the Saturday games and 5.30pm Australian time. Uh, Blues hosting the Chiefs and whether the Blues can keep that home record and keep Eden Park a little bit more of a fortress versus the Chiefs team that seem like they're just continuing to keep rising. I think it's going to be hard to tip against the Chiefs now. Look, this is a this is a really tough one to pick. I think the Chiefs probably come in with a you know quite a bit better form, but the Blues at home, I still think they'll be fired up, and it's a bit of a pride game for them. There's a bit of a rivalry with these teams. Um, having in previous years, the Blues really dominated the Chiefs, and it's been flipped around in the last say five six years. I'm going to wait for the lineups. I would say that the Blues can do this if they put out a full strength lineup. I'm going to take the Blues. If I was ever going to tip a draw, I reckon this is the game. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm a bit stuck too. I'm definitely going to review this uh, after the team list. Uh, equal on four wins apiece, though. The Chiefs also already have a draw. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, even though the Blues are at home and they have been very potent. The, the Chiefs just seem to keep pulling it out, and, uh, and you know, that's impressive. I, th- I think anyone who could shut down the attacking weapons of... Rico Iwani and Milani Nanai uh, is definitely in with a shot. So I'm going to take the Chiefs by a very narrow margin for this one. Yeah, interesting. The Blues are actually favourites in this, $1.50. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to take the Chiefs. But yeah, you guys are right. It's going to be a very close one. Good game to watch. Another good game Saturday night, and the Reds hosting the Waratahs coming back from their South African tour. And this will be, this will be hard for... Uh, both the Reds and the Waratahs trying to get into that wild card spot on the table, run down the Brumbies and the and the Rebels, and and any win against your opposition in the conference here is very valuable because you're you're taking one of your competition exactly. out of the race yeah. effectively. So, uh, look, I think even though the Waratahs have fewer wins this year, uh, I think they're probably going to be capable of 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 beating the Reds at home. Uh, I expect it to be a, a fairly physical affair. I'm sure the Reds won't take a backward step, but I think I'll probably be taking the Waratahs in this one. Yeah, another really tough game to pick, and apparently it's retro round arch, so I don't know if they're pulling out those those jerseys we love um, with the white collars there for sure the Waratahs. Will, yeah. but, um, mate, this is tough again. I think the way the Waratahs are playing, I do think they can still open the Reds up. But the Reds will be, you know, pretty confident after that performance against the Rebels. So, very tight one. I think I'll go with a bit of experience here and, and take the Waratahs. I think when we tend to write them off, they do bounce back and they'll need this win to stay in the hunt. So, I'll take the Tars narrowly. Yeah, just looking back at uh, the history of these teams, and it, and you got to remind yourself that the Waratahs have had dominance on this fixture for so long. Uh, last time the Reds beat the Waratahs was back in 2013. Last time the Reds beat uh, the Waratahs at Suncorp was well, round two of 2013, that same year. Um, so I think with the history and the experiences you said, I think it's probably going to be a Tars win. But yeah, I'll be very interested to watch how this one turns out. Saturday night, we've got the Lions still at home and hosting the Highlanders that are starting their tour. Even another tough one, I think the Highlanders have been playing so well and they're also a team that seems to be able to play well overseas as well and often will win one or two on their tours. Yeah, look, 
mate, again, this is really tough fixtures, three in a row here. Um, give me the Lions, I think. I, I was, I think they did enough. I think with Whiteley coming back, um, their back line looks like they're back to that kind of old combinations there with Vorster and Mapu and some of their quicker wingers. And their forwards seem to be playing a lot more physically and Quagga Smith just playing out of his mind. I think the Highland is the fact they're missing Ben Smith and a couple of other guys will play a factor. And I think traveling over there on the high belt, I think the Lions can get it done. Again, a very close game, um, but give me the Lions. Yeah, I'm tempted into the Lions in this one as well, even though the Highlanders have been so strong. I, I, will, I will review on, on seeing the lineups, but uh, Lions at home, very probably, probably, you know, a, a, a converted trial, so yeah, we need to see some line rage. I, I feel like they haven't done enough blood transfusions or something this season because they just don't have the same like energy or something. It's crazy. If you look at it like two years ago, the way they were playing, they just seemed like they could run all day, but now they actually look like a normal South African yeah, they team. Look like they tire at some um, point. yeah, which is crazy. And the Waratahs actually kept up with them pretty well, I think, last week, but I can see them kind of getting back to a little bit of form. And I think because that South African conference is so, so tightly contested, they're not out of it by any means. So it's a big game for them. I think they'll be fired up. And the final game of the round, that's the Stormers at home hosting that Crusaders team. So Stormers off the bye. They've been able to sit back and watch this Crusaders team put 40 on the Bulls. And I don't know if the Storms are going to be able to stop this team as long as the Crusaders continue to name such a strong lineup. If they have Moanga and Crotty there leading that potent back line around, that's just the ultimate tool, and I think they'll take this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, agreed. I think Stormers, it's tough to play it at Newlands there, but the Crusaders, they're buoyant. They played so well last week against the Bulls, did, did it pretty effortlessly. Um, I think the Stormers aren't as big a challenge. I think they're going to put plenty of points on again. So, yeah, look for the, the Crusaders here by, I'd say, 15. Yeah, I might even go beyond that. I think the Crusaders will, will take this even further than 15. Tobes, I, I don't think the Stormers are up to the task. Uh, I think the Bulls were probably not that not that dissimilar in a, in a poor patch of form to what the Stormers can be. And the Crusaders can definitely contain that agile back three of the Stormers, so I'll be taking the Crusaders by a chunk. A chunk is a technical term for 20. Same as the score. Oh, okay. I, I like to just leave it as a chunk. Take a bad chunk. <laughs> there you go, that wraps up round 14. And it's not long to go, only five rounds left in Super Rugby, so it's really heating up, and every time I look at this table, it keeps changing and changing, so be interesting to see how this ends up this week. I plan to have another perfect round in tipping, like I did in round one. Yeah, that's been a while. <laughs> God, that's a long time ago. From recent only form, you'd think. Three months ago, mate. You're on the slide. What are you coming up, third? Yeah, third. By like one point. Don't write yourself off yet, mate. I'm not right. Mate, give me a you week and I'll be back on top. Just you wait. Just you wait. Some tough games. I think this is going to split us. This is the good thing. These tough games are really going to set us apart, I That's think. That's it. Top tippers will come through. Definitely will. You'll see my real skill this weekend. 
Thanks everyone for tuning in again. Remember to follow us on the Instagram at the Running Rugby Podcast. We're actually doing a bit of a poll to work out who we think should be the Australia's starting 15, Wallabies 15. Um, on that, I think we've just gone through the first round of the front row and second row um, and back row finishing up soon. And we'll be on to the backs and the future rounds over the next week or two. So make sure to continue to look up at those Instagram stories and vote for us and we'll get uh, bring you the strongest Wallabies 15 that you guys want. Uh, otherwise, also follow us on Facebook and at Twitter at The Running Rugby Pod. And remember to subscribe if you haven't, guys, on Apple iTunes or Spotify, wherever you prefer. Press the little subscribe button, press the download, and press the five-star rating as well, and tell your friends about us as well. Uh, Great to have you boys with us on our 50th episode. Well done, guys. You're doing well. What do you reckon, another 50 to go? Yeah, mate. Probably not before the World Cup, but I'm sure we can can squeeze (laughs) in another 12 or 15. Yeah, we'll... There's a long year of rugby to go still. That's it. It is a marathon, not a sprint. So I hope you guys are keeping well hydrated, keeping fresh, keeping hungry for all this coming up. Always, mate. Keep on running. Run.